This is the Fearless Presentations Podcast, the fastest, easiest way to reduce public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hey everybody, welcome to the Fearless Presentations podcast. I'm Doug Standard. I'm the CEO of Fearless Presentations. The topic today is presentation bullet point design, and, and really it's a way to avoid the death by PowerPoint that happens a lot with folks who are designing their presentations. We also have a really cool tech find this week. Uh, for a lot of people like to put inspirational quotes into their presentations and, and to use as reinforcement for bullet points that we're making. So we show you a quick app that can help you find some of those really good inspirational quotes. Before we get started, though, let's kind of talk a little bit about public speaking fear because one of the things that comes up a lot, especially in our classes, is folks want to know kind of where public speaking fear comes from and are there you know natural public speakers, people that are really, really good and, and at public speaking that started out that way. And really, in my experience, I don't think that's true. I don't think folks come out of the womb fantastic public speakers. And there's really not... A, a set kind of person that is that exceptionally excels at public speaking. What we find, though, is that the people that have the best training and have had the best experience in public speaking tend to do better than, than others. You know, the analogies that we like to use in classes is kind of like learning to ride a bicycle or learning to drive a car. If you think about it, I mean, the let's take learning to drive a car as an example. There are some people that that use that as a profession. So they drive a car as a profession. Some of them are race car drivers, and and they're exceptionally good at driving at really fast rates of speech. Well, they didn't start out that way, though. That took a ton of training. It took a lot of training to be able to do that. And most of us wouldn't go to a 15-year-old kid or a 14-year-old kid and say, ah, no, you just don't have the talent for for driving. So maybe you should try something else as a as a career, right? So most of the time, the when we're trying to encourage a 15, 16-year-old kid to to drive a car, we're going to try to break it down into component parts, make it real easy, teach them a little bit at a time and have them master each part. And then as they master each part, they get more confident, right? And that's what happens in public speaking as well. That's why a lot of people will hire a public speaking coach or they'll come to a, a public speaking class like the Fearless Presentations class, or they'll look up a podcast like what you're doing, or they'll go on YouTube and look for a video. They're, they're looking for some of those component pieces. The, the key thing about confidence, though, is that the confidence really comes from being able to have a success in doing that skill. So like, for instance, going back to the car example, if the very first time you ever drove a car, you were on the freeway and all and every single person that you know was watching you do it, that would be very traumatic. That would be very challenging. So a lot of times we'll start in a parking lot. And that's kind of that's that's one of the real benefits of of having a class. So uh, I would encourage you if you haven't yet explored looking at a public speaking class, uh, make sure and go to fearlesspresentations.com. That's our website. We have a, a bunch of these going at uh, and at any given month anyway. So every and in fact we come to every major city in the United States and Canada, and we also do a lot of classes in Europe. So if you're looking for a class, it shouldn't be very hard for you to find a, a fairly inexpensive two-day public speaking class that will really help. So let's get to this week's tech find. Tech find. 
better. So this week's tech find is an iPhone app called 55,000 Quotes, and it pretty much is exactly what it describes. So if you need a quote for your PowerPoint slideshow or if you need a quote, something really quick and easy that you can remember and, and get back to an audience based on a topic that you're presenting, then this is a good place to go. The, the, um, the app has a search feature, so if there's a specific thing that you're looking for, you can do a search, and there's a good chance that there's going to be some quote related to something that you're talking about. Um, so I've, I've got the app open in front of me, and one of the categories or one of the searches that I did was for enthusiasm. So these are just a few of the quotes that kind of came up. The very first one is a quote by Charles Schwab. And it says, a man can succeed at almost anything for which he has an unlimited enthusiasm, which is a fantastic quote. There's another one right underneath it, uh, Mary Kay Ash. A mediocre idea that generates enthusiasm will get you further than a great idea that inspires no one. So, I mean, these are really good. Um, there's a Dale Carnegie quote right underneath that, one from Thomas Jefferson, uh, Sam Walton. Um, here's one uh, from Winston Churchill. Uh, courage is going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. And, uh, and then Earl Nightingale, right underneath that, creativity is a natural extension of our enthusiasm. So it's a, um, this, it's, this is actually one of my new favorite apps. Uh, one of the things that, that um, happens a lot in our, in our two-day public speaking classes, folks will come into the two-day public speaking class, and on the second day, we start to, we give them what we call our impact ideas or 10 things that you can add to your presentation to kind of jazz it up. And one of those is, is quotes. And one of the things about quotes that we always kind of caution people on is that if you make a quote too long, it can be kind of boring and actually be counterproductive. But a very short, easy to remember quote, like the ones that I just kind of mentioned in the last few minutes, are things that you can insert at the end of a story or an example or a bullet point, and it can reinforce that thing that you're making. So adding a few strategic quotes to the presentation can actually help you add credibility to your to your uh, public speaking presentation. So uh, make sure and use this app. It's very cool. So I've been playing around with this app just to kind of see what's there. And, and I, I think probably the only negative thing that I've seen uh, after exploring this for a little while is, and it actually came up in the reviews, is that it, see, it appears as though there are multiple instances of the same quote that are attributed to different authors. So that can be a little problematic. So, so um, if you do find a, a quote that you want to use, you might do a little bit of research on the internet just to make sure that that particular quote is attributed to the correct person. But other than that, this is a really neat app. This is something that can, can be very helpful and save you a lot of time and a, and a whole lot of effort. So make sure and use this one. So Doug, what's today's hot topic? So the hot topic today is about presentation bullet point design. Uh, and this is actually subtitled, you know, how to avoid death by PowerPoint, because that's one of the big things. And if you listen to the interview that I did with Mike Veda, he kind of talked about it in his presentation. We talked about it in podcast number three when I was showing you how to design presentations more effectively. It's a big, big, big challenge, in, especially in the business world. A lot of people have too many slides, too many bullet points, too many of everything. The, the audience really isn't going to be able to remember a lot of what you say. And so if they're only going to remember a, a few things, you want to make sure that they're they're important things, right? So that's really what we're going to start out our, our session with here is uh, if you recall back on podcast number three, when I, when I shared with you how to design a really good presentation, we talked about 
no matter what type of presentation that you're trying to design, whether it's an entertainment style all the way out to the, the lecture style, you really want to give no more than maybe five key bullet points or five key concepts, five bullets in an entire sitting, right? So so basically from the time that a, that a person sits down in a chair and starts listening to a presentation to the time they get to get up and go somewhere else, you really want to give them no more than, than five bullet points. If it's, if it's more of an entertainment style, uh, then you may only have one bullet point in that entire time frame. If it's more of a lecture, you might have about five or so. Uh, a good analogy, uh, you, can, you can learn a lot from successful businesses, especially in fast food or restaurants, because they have to have a very, very clear and succinct method in order to satisfy customers very effectively. Uh, I'll give you a couple of, of kind of extremes on, on the, the um, fast food side, especially. When I was a kid, um, there, are, there are restaurants here in Texas, I'm sure, and they're all over, but they're, they're called Jack in the Box. And, and when I was a kid, the, uh, the marketing catchphrase that Jack in the Box had was, we don't make it until you order it, which was basically a preparation to let people know that, hey, when you come to a Jack in the Box restaurant, you're going to be sitting in the waiting room for a long time waiting for your food and so they were trying to they were using their marketing campaign to try to fix that using the funny uh, jack-in-the-box commercials and and that kind of thing so but they they had a big problem and still do really uh, one of the big challenges with that with that particular restaurant chain is that they have hundreds of different products that they offer i mean if you especially if you like go through the drive through it takes like three menu boards to 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 fit everything on there fit all the different options on there as a result it slows the whole process down it slows the process down in ordering because you've always got people that not, aren't sure exactly what something is called or what the number is or whatever it is on the on the menu board it slows the process down in getting your food because uh, because they're making so many different things in, in the back and that kind of thing. Uh, take the and uh, if you on the positive side though, you know one of the one of the restaurants that's doing really well right now is called In and Out Burger, and it was funny because when I first started doing fearless presentations classes in Los Angeles, one of the first couple of classes that I had there, my class members was were telling me, "Hey, have you had an In and Out Burger yet? Have you had an In and Out Burger?" Yet? Well, you know, I've had burgers. You know, it can't be that good, right? And so, until I had one, by the way, they're awesome. They're they're fantastic burgers. We actually have them here in the Dallas Dallas Fort Worth area where I live now. So um, so we we get our share of In and Out Burgers. But it was funny because I, I I liked it so much that one of the times that I was I was back in I think it was in Las Vegas this time, and um, I was training a, a new instructor that was an instructor that was kind of new to my company anyway. And I said, have you had an In-N-Out Burger yet? And the person was like, no, nah, I'm from Baltimore. So, you know, never heard of In-N-Out Burger. And, and uh, so I said, okay, well, let's go. Let's, I'll take you there. And so we go in, we st- we're standing in line. While we're standing in line, he's looking at the sign. He's going, man, I guess I want a burger. Because if, you, if you've ever been to an In-N-Out Burger, they have, basically, they have hamburgers and french fries and shakes i guess you know that's it that's pretty much it in fact my my, my son ben he doesn't like uh, hamburgers he, he eats hamburgers but it's not one of his favorite things so when he goes he has to get a grilled cheese because it's the only other option you know it's basically it's a it's a uh, hamburger without any meat in it you know so um but the thing is is that it's so simple it's so easy that they can speed up the process very dramatic so you can get a freshly made 
hamburger in a fairly short period of time uh, and they have a, a system set up to kind of make it happen so not a whole lot of choices well you, you want to think of your your the people that are in your presentation the audience that is in your that is sitting through your presentation as being a fast food restaurant customer Right. If you give them 142 gazillion options, it's going to confuse them. It's going to slow down the process. It's going to make it very unclear. It's going to cause a lot of challenges. If you give them only a few different things that they have to remember, though, it makes it a whole lot more simple. It makes it a whole lot easier for them to to comprehend the content that you're that you're delivering to them. So so basically, that's what you want to have as your as your mind frame when you're when you're going in to, to design your presentation. So. Have the In-N-Out Burger versus the Jack and Box mentality, and you'll you'll do pretty well. Um, one of the things that will tend to come up at this point, though, is when folks will kind of, especially in my classes, you know, folks will, will sit through one of my presentation classes and they'll say, "Well, Doug, wait, 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 you don't understand my company. You don't understand the way things are at." in my position or in my in in what I do for a living because my presentations are data driven I have to have a lot of data and one of the things that they get confused about is that your data isn't your bullet point your bullet point is your data it's not it, your bullet points aren't there to help you remember numbers or statistics or or content it's there to make a make a point basically um, it's the you know your your data is the evidence that a bullet point is actually true, right? So you give your data in uh, as a support for that bullet point that you're making. So that so basically that if the, all that kind of stuff are, are things that we somewhat covered in podcast number three. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, I would I would recommend that you kind of go back and listen to that one first, and it'll make what we cover in the rest of this one a whole lot easier. But if you have that kind of mentality in place to where Hey, we're not trying to just give a bunch of data to, to our audience. We're trying to get them a message, and we're using the data as support for that message that we're creating. It makes it a whole lot easier to design your presentation. So with that, with, with that being said, uh, in order to kind of determine if I'm only going to cover, you know, one, two, three, four, five bullet points or, or one, two, three, four, five key concepts in my presentation, how do I determine what those things are? Well, the technique that I like to use is to only cover those things that are most important for the audience to understand or that the audience needs to know or wants to know right now. And when I say right now is that if I've only got a short period of time to kind of deliver content, I want to make sure I'm covering the most important things that are that are that are there for them now. If I get another chance to talk to them in a week or two weeks or a year or two years, whatever it is, I can cover additional content. But basically what, what I want to do is focus on the things that are most important. So the the process that I like to go through is once I have a really good topic or a really good title, which is what we covered in the last podcast, once I have that really, really good title, I have to pretend like I'm one of the people sitting in the audience. I have to ask myself, if I'm one of these people that are sitting in this audience, I'm listening to this presentation, if I walked, if I listened to the entire presentation and I only walked away with one key concept, one vital piece of information, what would be that number one most important thing that would make me want to sit through this presentation? And whatever that number one most important thing is becomes my bullet point number one. So and by the way, it's the same same concept for bullet point number two and bullet point number three and four and five. If you have five bullet points, but what are those most important things? What are the absolute most important things 
that the audience needs to know about the topic that I'm presenting. Now, just so you know, one of the things, one of the big challenges that a lot of present, a lot of presenters will kind of fall into at this point, they'll fall into a trap and they'll say, what are the three most important things that I want to tell the audience, right? The things that you want to tell the audience and the things that the audience really wants to know, a lot of times are two totally different things. Uh, for instance, um, I do a lot of, of coaching for like high level sales presentations, especially what they call shortlist presentations. So let's say um, a big commercial construction company is competing to, to build a skyscraper, to build a school, or a, uh, maybe they're a program manager for a school district or something like that. And a, a lot of times what, what the, the buyers of this service will, will do is they'll have, they'll, they'll go through and pick out the top six, seven, eight companies. And then they'll go and have those six, seven, eight companies compete with each other in what they call a shortlist presentation. So in one day, a lot of times the, the, the buyers will listen to eight different companies give a presentation on why they should be the ones to build this building or build or conduct this program or whatever it is. So um, the and it's funny because when it, when when companies call me in to do the coaching with on one of these types of presentations, the very first thing that I've noticed on just about every single one of these things is that the bullet point number one is always just the words "our experience" and that's it. <laughs> Basically, they're they're going to cover our experience. This is all the stuff that we've done as a company. Well, here's a here's a, a big clue to the to what audiences want. Audiences do not care about your experience as, as a bullet point anyway. What, what I kind of teach them in these presentations is that your experience is actually the proof that you can do the things that they want, right? So the thing that is most important to the audience is not your experience. They have problems. They have challenges. For instance, let's say it's a school district and, and uh, they're, they're, they have a spe- specific project that has to be done over the summer, time period, right? Because they have the school has to be open in the fall. So if there's a short little window that we have to do that construction, then the, one of the most important things to that school is that they can stick to a schedule that they can stick. So basically, uh, the bullet point might be, you know, we, we can assure you that uh, that school is open on September 1st. And that's that the bullet point. Now, the proof is their experience, right? So the different times that they've had a project similar to this that they've been able to do it within a specific time frame. And they can tell story after story after story about how successful they've been in that particular thing. So keep that in mind. When, you, when you're actually determining what the most important things are to your, to your audience, a lot of times the things that you want to tell them and the things that they want to know are two totally different things. By the way, when you use this technique, the most important technique, it should be really, really easy to determine what those key concepts should be. If you're having trouble coming up with, you know, that let's say you're going to be covering three bullet points. If you're having trouble with coming up with what those three most important things are, then you probably want to back up a step. That probably means that your title is too broad. So let me kind of use this time as, as just a, a quick little recap of what we covered in the last podcast on how to design a, a really effective title. If you have a really, really broad title, it's going to be very difficult for you to come up with your bullet points. If you have a very focused title, it's going to be, it should be very, very easy. I'll give you a couple of examples. Like, for instance, if my presentation is on world peace, that's hard because I could cover a gazillion different things in bullet points if I'm focusing on, on world peace. However, if my topic is you know, how to be safer on your way uh, from our office to the park, through the parking lot to your car, 
Now, that's a, little, that's a lot easier because there's only a few key concepts probably that I need to cover. That's a much more focused presentation. So the more broad your presentation is, the more difficult it is going to be to, to uh, come up with your, your bullet points. Um, the analogy I like to use here, by the way, when you're coming up with the bullet points to kind of figure out what's most important to the concept is pretend like you're a prosecutor and you're, and you're making your case to a jury. The, if you just cover just a list of a litany of different pieces of evidence without ever putting into a putting it into a format that's easy for the jury to understand, it's going to confuse them. Good example of this is the old O.J. trial back in the '90s. O.J. Simpson was was on trial for murder, and and everybody was kind of glued to their TV sets for however many months it must six months or eight months or however long it took to to do this uh, this uh, trial. And uh, the Marcia Sharp, who was the prosecutor, she had a ton of evidence. She had fingerprints. She had um, uh, DNA evidence. She had blood splatters. She had, and she had all these different experts that were coming in. And it was basically expert witness after expert witness after expert witness and, and tons of forensics and scientific, all kinds of stuff, right? But she never got to the major thing which was um, the the key points, whereas Johnny Cochran was able to kind of do that. He basically said, you know, the the one thing that that he kept saying over and over again, especially in his closing argument, was, if the glove does not fit, you must acquit, right? So he was basically saying, hey, you know, you've got this piece of evidence that doesn't fit, doesn't fit any of this, and there's no explanation for why that piece of evidence doesn't fit. And so as a result, that's reasonable doubt. So basically, he focused on the key concepts that he wanted the audience to remember, the audience being the jury to remember. Well, you want to keep that in mind as well. So if you, if you, instead of covering everything under the sun in your presentation, what you really want to do is focus on just the things that the audience wants or needs to know and focus on those things and prove those things are true. If Marcia Sharp had done that, if she'd have focused entirely on just the motive, here is why this is the motive, and then the opportunity. These, this is how we know he was he had the opportunity, and this is the forensics, right? This is the the uh, the evidence that kind of points to him being the killer. She probably there might have been a different result. So basically, you you want to make sure that your presentation is really focused on the key, most important things that the audience needs to know. Okay, so now that we've identified what the key concepts are going to be that we're going to cover in our presentation, let's make them, let's change those bullet points, let's alter them so that they are more what I call audience focused. So you want your bullet points to be structured in a way to where when the audience reads your, your overview or when your audience reads your bullet points, they go, oh, wow, I can't wait to hear what the, what the speaker is going to say, right? So one of the best ways to do that is to is to kind of realize that your bullet points are not cheat notes for you to remember what you're going to say, but they're visual aids for the audience. You want to get, use your bullet points as a way to give your audience information that they don't yet have. One of the best ways to do that, by the way, is to use complete sentences in your bullet points. A lot of times people will will shrink your bullet point shrink their bullet points down to just a few words or a few a few ideas or a few key phrases anyway and and a lot of times we'll use those as things to to prompt us this is what i'm going to say at this bullet point by the way there's a reason why people do this one of the reasons why people will tend to kind of do this with their bullet points is because they've been kind of burned in the past where 
where um, you know we they put too much in a bullet point, and then we're caught just kind of reading the bullet point, and then you know reading a bullet point, click, reading a bullet point, click, reading a bullet point, click. Well, that's really not what we're talking about here when we when we're designing our bullet points this way. We're basically using this as a way to we're still going to use it as a prompt to help us remember the the proof or the content that we're going to use to prove that the bullet point is true but the bullet point itself should be something that's a visual aid for your audience um, i give you a couple of examples like for instance I kind of mentioned in the in one of the earlier podcasts that that one of the things that folks will do, especially when they're creating a title for a, a financial report is let's say they're going to be doing a quarterly report they'll just call the report or their presentation quarterly report, which tells the audience nothing about what's going to happen. Well, when when we start out with a really cruddy kind of title like that, a lot of times our bullet points will kind of follow in the same suit. So, so the the bullet point might be something like um, last quarter expenses, <laughs> last quarter revenue, last quarter. You know, so the bullet points don't really say anything. They don't really tell the audience anything. They don't. They don't. Uh, they're they're certainly not persuasive, and they're not interesting, right? So as a result, um, where the audience is kind of left reading that bullet point and. Their their automatic response is going to be the words were what <laughs> right so so if like for instance if you have a bullet point that says uh, quarterly expenses and that's all you that's all you have then the audience is going to say quarterly expenses were what <laughs> what were they what, what was the point of them why are you telling me this right so instead of just kind of creating that that simplified kind of uh, abbreviated bullet. That's there more as a cheat note for the audience. Basically, what you really want to put there is a, a provable fact. So remember what I said earlier about being a, a, a prosecutor and you're, you're making your case to the jury. That bullet point should be a statement that you can prove. So if it's not a statement that you can prove, it's going to be very difficult to, to come up with additional content for it. Right. So, um, so let me give you a couple of examples here. So let's say I'm going to design a presentation on how to design a speech, right? Since that's kind of what I do for a living, I'm giving a presentation on how to design a speech. And I, I have a really cool title like how to design a speech in 15 minutes or less. So that's something that people will read that title and go, ooh, wow, I want to I want to know how to do that, right? Well, if I'm using the most important concept format, I'll say, okay, so in order for somebody to be able to design presentations quickly, what are the most important things that they need to kind of keep in mind? Well, the number one most important thing might be to limit their bullet points. Well, what a lot of people will do in this in this scenario is they'll just put bullet point number one, five points, and that's it. They're not really explaining what five points means or why they're there or what's important about, important about them. They'll just kind of put those words down, five points. The second bullet point might be just the word stories. And then the third bullet point might be repetition. So those are what I'm calling cheat notes. Those are things that that helps prompt me since I know what I'm going to say about the five points. And since I know what I'm going to say about stories and since I know what I'm going to say about repetition, I can it's it's easy for me to use that as a cheat note. However, if the audience is reading those three bullet points, they're going to be going, huh? What? What do you want me to know about five points? What do you want me to know about stories? What do you want me to know about repetition? I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I don't understand. And so as a result, we're starting the presentation with confusion. 
it makes it more challenging for the audience to kind of follow along. So basically what I want to do to kind of fix that is I want to make a bullet point that has a, a complete sentence, right? A, a complete sentence meaning it's got a subject, it's got verbs, it's got a verb, it's got adjectives, it's got adverbs. You know, basically it's a, it's a complete thought, something that I can prove. So like, for instance, on the five points, I might make that into a sentence that is, let's say it's um, something like... Uh, since audiences will only retain a few key points, focus on the five most important, right? Something like that. So basically, when the audience kind of reads that, and they're going to say, "Okay, he's suggesting that I that I uh, that I limit my content to just five bullet points," and there's a reason why in there as well. So he's, he's telling me what why that's important. Uh, secondly, uh, for stories, instead of just putting the word stories, I might put what the benefit of the story is. So stories make your presentation more interesting and help you reduce stage fright. So basically now when the audience reads that, they know what I'm going to talk about story or what I'm going to tell them about stories and why they're important, that kind of thing. So basically as a result, they're more likely now to pay attention to what I'm going to say when I actually tell them the meat, get to the meat of that of that bullet point. And then thirdly, the repetition the, let's for for that one, I might say something like, uh, and, or put the bullet point where it says something like an introduction and summary give your audience repetition, and it, that will increase retention. So basically, it's now giving the audience uh, the concept behind or the background behind what I'm going to be talking about. So, so basically, those three bullet points are much better. They may not be perfect, but they're a whole heck of a lot better than just the kind of one-word bullet point. Um, another key thing to kind of keep in mind about when you're designing your presentation and making them real audience-focused, you really want to stay away from what I call question words, especially the question words like how, why, what, you know. Um, uh, uh, the how is the big one, um, but, but a lot of these question words will, will kind of appear as a bullet point. So if you have a, a bullet point that says um, uh, how stories will improve your presentation, well, okay, that doesn't tell me how stories will improve my presentation. That's a question. It's like you're asking the audience something. And so as a result, it's going to make the audience kind of confused. The audience may remember your story, your I'm sorry, your bullet point, but they're not going to remember what was important about that bullet point. The important thing about stories is that it's going to help them reduce their stage fright. It's going to help them uh, it's going to help the audience pay attention more effectively. And so you want to make sure you put you put those most important things in the in the bullet point as well. So so basically when you're after you've kind of come up with those most important concepts that you're going to cover in your presentation, you want to design, design your bullet point into a visual aid for your audience so they it helps them remember what you're going to be talking about. Um, uh, one final key thing before we kind of end this session is that if the purpose of your presentation is to persuade your audience, and that can come in a lot of different in, in a different situation. So, especially if you're if you're in sales and you're trying to persuade your audience to actually buy something, or if you have an idea and you're trying to persuade the audience to buy into your idea, or if you, let's say you're training somebody and you're trying to persuade the audience to do this thing that you're training them to do or do it this way, all of those things are persuasive type speeches. And if you if you are designing bullet points that have a persuasive, persuasive component, you want to make sure that you had the final thing into each one of the bullet points, which is what I call the why. 
why why do I, the person in the audience, even care about listening to what you're talking about? Or why in the world should I do this thing? So if you go back to some of those bullet points that I kind of talked about a, a, a few minutes ago, uh, for instance, the uh, limiting limiting your your uh, concept to just five key bullet points. Well, the reason why, so I would ask myself if I'm sitting in the audience, why, why do I need to do that? So if I, if I know that this is going to be a persuasive speech, I might add one little final piece or one little final component to that bullet point and tell them why the purpose is, is that it's, you're going to be more concise. So basically, if you want to be more concise, limit your key points to five or fewer bullet points, right? So basically now I can change it, change my bullet point to uh, bullet point number one is limit your, your key concepts in your presentation to five or fewer. And if you do that, you'll be more concise, you know, and I can shorten that up a little bit just to make it a little easier to kind of put on a, on a slide or something like that. But basically when, when the audience now reads that, they're going to go, okay, all right, I want to be more concise. So I should probably do this thing that this person is recommending that I do. Uh, same thing for the, for the, for the bullet point about stories. Um, basically, I said that it, the, the why is actually built in that already. It's going to help you reduce stage fright. So basically, it's going to help the audience pay attention to you more. I want that as a person in the audience, and it's going to help me reduce my stage fright. I want that as well, right? Uh, for, the, for the repetition one, you know, we put in at the end of that that it's going to help them increase retention or get the audience to retain more. So basically, just finishing up that bullet point with the why can make it a whole lot easier to to really persuade your audience. Now, once you've kind of done these things, once you've got your bullet points put together, you've now created what I call a, a skeleton of your presentation. It's an outline. If you remember back what to what to what uh, Mike Veda talked about last week. He talked about when you're designing your PowerPoint slideshow to go into the outline format so you can kind of see what the audience sees. And basically, that's what he's talking about here. It, what he was talking about is getting to a skeleton of a presentation that has your key concepts, your key bullet points in there. So basically, once you've gotten to this point, you're, you're actually doing what Mike was suggesting that you do last week. Once you have that that key skeleton, now you can start to fill in with some more interesting things, things like stories and analogies and testimonials and quotes and different things like that that you can kind of put in underneath each one of these bullet points to prove that what you're saying is true. So like going back to the example that I, that I talked about earlier with the, um, with the construction guys talking about their experience. So once they've made their bullet point, now you can go back and use testimonials or examples or stories or analogies that prove that you can do that thing that's in the bullet point and you can use your experience there. So your experience now becomes the support for each one of these bullets. Uh, so once you have your, your well-designed outline, you'll be ready to do what we're going to talk about in the absolutely next podcast, which is fill in with all those great things that make your presentations better. Um, now keep in mind that when you're designing a skeleton of a presentation, if you start out with a really, really good skeleton of a presentation and you add stuff like stories, examples, and analogies and all that kind of stuff into the presentation, it makes the presentation phenomenal. It makes it very easy for you to deliver. It makes it very easy for your audience to, list, audience to listen to, and it makes it more fun and more interesting. If you start off with a really crappy skeleton, right? If you have a if you have a really non-well-defined skeleton and you start adding stuff in, it typically makes it kind of worse. The analogy I like to use here is, it, it, in fact, I'll give you a great story here. Um, I was um, 
about two and a half years or so ago, we got word that uh, right down, I'd say maybe a mile and a half away from my house, they were building a big Kroger store. It's one of those signature Kroger stores that, that have, um, it's like a super Walmart, the big, huge kind of thing, uh, which is great because we have a couple of grocery stores near our house. But, you know, this the competition would be great. Plus, it's going to bring in a lot of new restaurants and stuff in the parking lot and that kind of thing. So, you know, we we're real excited about this. You know, this is it's far enough away from our house, so we don't have to really worry about traffic. And it's going to be very, very convenient. So, um, so they, 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 it took them about six months from the time that we heard that this was coming for them to start clearing ground. And, uh, and, you know, they, they basically leveled the whole terrain and everything. And, and so basically it looked like a big, huge mass of dirt everywhere. And then for about the next, I would say year, maybe year and a half, it looked like they were just moving dirt around. They were moving dirt from one side to the other and there were hills and then there were no hills the next day and then there'd be more hills. And it was basically, I mean, we'd kind of make fun of it a little bit, but we'd say, God, man, they just, they're paying gazillions of dollars to kind of move dirt around. Um, they just now, uh, so it's been about two and a half years since we got word that this was coming in. They just now put in, in the last probably two or three months, they put in the the uh, concrete, the found, the, the, the um, uh, parking lot and all that kind of stuff. But now you can see the structure that was underneath because now that you can, because of what, what they did in the prior year and year and a half, they, they they put in all of the underground drainage and the the all of the utilities and all that kind of stuff. So I suspect that from here on out, it's probably going to go up really, really, really quickly. So they have a basically what they've done is they've created a phenomenal structure that they can now build this signature Kroger on. Now, I could have gone out into that field two and a half years or so ago with my expertise, and I could have built a treehouse in one of those trees, right? And uh, my expertise in building is not that great, so I probably would have had an idea in my head not really written down, and I would have you know, climbed up in the tree and start to nail wood and boards together and stuff like that, and it might have stayed standing until now. Uh, probably not, though. But if I had kept adding on for the last two and a half years or so, if I'd have kept adding on to that tree house, I would have probably ended up with this weird monstrosity that nobody ever want to live in or visit or even stand in, right? So uh, that's the difference between designing a good structure like this and, and, um, and kind of playing it by ear with your presentation. So if you really want to have a fantastic presentation and really reduce your, your public speaking fear, start off with a really, really good structure and you'll typically get much, much better results. So this is Doug Standard with the Fearless Presentations podcast. Make sure and join us. Subscribe to our podcast, by the way. Um, that's, the, that's the best way to get the new sessions as they come out. And and uh, please, please, please uh, go back and rate us. If you like these presentations, if you're listening to them, make sure and give us a good rating, especially on iTunes, uh, because that will make it much easier for other people to find us on iTunes and that kind of thing. Um, for the show notes, you can go to fearlesspresentations.com slash podcast six. So this is podcast six, fearlesspresentations.com slash podcast six. You can also find a list of upcoming Fearless Presentations class if you're ready to take our two-day public speaking class. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week. 